0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of Acts. We're going to pick it back up in our, our sermon series that we started weeks ago. Uh, how many of y'all have been here uh, or were here when we were in the book of Revelation? Okay, well, um, we started this series uh, through the book of Acts weeks and weeks ago. As a matter of fact, I'm on part seven, uh, and so but we're only in chapter four, which means that we're going to be in this book for a while. Are y'all okay with that? Okay, so we're just going to get through. We're going to go through the whole book, and we'll end when we when we end. But uh, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter four, and I'm going to do just a little bit of review to catch us up because uh, we had several weeks in between uh, where we were not in this book. So uh, if you're at the Book of Acts, if you're there, great. If you have it in your lap, awesome. But I just remembered this morning we, we got our screens fixed, y'all. Come on, that helps a little bit, doesn't it? And so we're going to have all the passages up here on the screen. If you did not bring your book. Bible. But uh, here's where we are. We're we're in this book, the book of Acts. Once again, the title of my message is very simply this Take God's Side. Can y'all say that with me? Take God's Side. Jimmy Tate, where are you? Thank you, Jimmy, for the title. I stole it from Jimmy. Uh, It's so appropriate that we title this message Take God's Side because really, well, that's what the whole message today is about. But before we get into it, come on, let's, let's, let's just uh, close our eyes. And if you're comfortable, lift your hands where you are. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth of God. Lord, we pray today, Lord, that you would break through barriers in our hearts, Lord, that you would take new ground, new territory. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire us by the Holy Spirit, that you would encourage us by the Spirit. And Lord, I pray today, because of your word, because of your Spirit, Lord, that we would never be the same. And so, Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you are a good God and worthy of all of our praise. And so we pray these things now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. Everybody said? And everybody said, come on, give Jesus praise one more time. All right, well, good, good, good. So... So here's where we are, okay? I'm I'm a Bible teacher, so I'm just going to teach y'all the Word. Are y'all okay with that? Because that's what I'm going to do verse by verse. Uh, I I don't think we're going to cover every single verse in the book of Acts, but I'm going to do my best today to go verse by verse to help you understand what the Bible means so that you can take that meaning and apply it today. Raise your hand if you grew up, perhaps going to church, maybe going to mass, going to church, but you you didn't really understand much of what was going on in the Bible. Come on, see your hands. Totally cool. Totally. I I get it. I understand. Well, it's my job as I stand between God and you to do the best job that I can to make sense of it all. How how many of y'all know I'm not perfect, but my job is to to illuminate the truth of the word of God so you you can see it by the spirit and then go apply it in your everyday lives. Y'all ready for that? Are y'all ready for that? Talk to me a little bit. Y'all ready for that? Because that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And so just to catch you guys up a little bit, weeks ago, I said that the book of Acts was written by, uh, who wants to shout out who you think it was written by, if you're confident. Y'all remember? Yeah. Luke, Luke, the physician, we call him the good doctor. All right. Uh, the, the book of Acts was written by Luke. And of course, Luke also wrote what we call the gospel of Luke. Do Y'all remember all that? So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. Okay, But Luke himself tells us that in the Gospel that he produced, that he told us about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. But then Luke wrote this history of the early church, and in this history, he tells us what Jesus continued to do and teach. Now, if you've read the book of Acts, that might be a little confusing, because after you get past the first chapter, you don't see Jesus walking uh, in the storyline. Why is that? Well, because early in the book of Acts, we're told that Jesus departs from earth, and he goes where? He goes to heaven. Y'all read the story? He departs, goes to heaven, but then, but then Jesus in doing so, he, he passes the baton to his apostles, to his chosen ones, and they go forth into the world. Jesus is physically absent, but, but he is there by his spirit, by his presence through the apostles. And y'all remember the story? They went out and they changed the world. They ran the play, and that play was simply this. What did Jesus tell the disciples in Matthew? Go, everybody say go. Go, therefore, make what excuses, right? No, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's the key, verse twenty: teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And I love the final part of that, that great commission. Jesus says, and behold, I'm with you. I am with you even to the end of the age. How many of y'all are thankful that he is with you in all that you do, in all that you're going through? Jesus Christ is with you. But the key here is Jesus saying, All right, come on, let me call y'all in the huddle, Drew Brees style, calling the play. Jesus is saying, Before I go to heaven, I want you to get this. I want you to go run the play, make disciples, but you not only have the play, I'm also gonna give you the power. And the disciples, the apostles, that is, they went, they went forth into the world and they turned the world upside down. They changed the world for Jesus. Now, I'm reading this, you know, just the first like four chapters, and I'm like, man, that's what I'm talking about. Because listen to me, the aim, listen, the aim is not just for you to come to a church building. The aim is for the church to go into the world in the power of the Spirit to turn the world upside down. Come on, how many of y'all know that's when church gets real fun? The church, not the building, but life together as the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, going into the world, preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, doing it all in Jesus' name and watching him show off. Are y'all with me today? That's when Christianity gets, uh, that's when it becomes real fun. And so we see the apostles running the play. We see them going out into the world. And, you know, today many people are waiting on Jesus to come back, but maybe Jesus is waiting on us to go out and to run the play that he gave us 2,000 years ago. Maybe he's waiting on us. Well, as we're going in and we read into the book of Acts, into chapter 3, just to do a little bit of review. If you guys remember in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they went out, didn't they? Y'all remember that story in Acts 3? They went out with the play and the power. And if you remember in Acts 3, Peter and John, they go up to the temple at the time of prayer about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And y'all remember what happened? They're walking up. There's the temple gate called Beautiful. And there was a man who had been laid there. As a matter of fact, they laid him there daily at this gate called Beautiful. And here here comes Peter and John. There's a man laid there. This man is lame. He's over 40 years old. And check this out had probably never walked a day in his life. But they laid him there, and here come Peter and John, and they come up and they see this man. And this man, he asked for money. He was there asking for alms. Y'all remember it? And Peter and John, they see him. This man asked for money, and here's what Peter said. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And we know from that story that that man went from sitting to, come on, standing to then what? Walking to eventually what? Leaping and what? Praising God. How many of y'all know that's a picture of what Jesus does in our lives? That he finds us lame in the spirit. He finds us in our shame. But then he, he, he by his spirit, by the word, He heals us and we get up out of that shame. We get up out of that pain. We get up out of that sin. And when Jesus heals you, come on, y'all, you go from sitting to standing to walking in God's will and praising him for it. Because, you know, he is the only explanation for the miracle that is your life. Are you all with me today? Come on. We go from sitting to standing to walking to running to leaping to praising God. And this is a picture of what our lives should look like. And and here here is is the the point of this, is that when when Peter healed this man by the name of Jesus, by the power of God, really this served as a great attention grabber. I mean, you're talking about like the greatest introduction that you can imagine to a sermon. I mean, you know in the introduction, we want to grab people's attention well, back in Acts two, everybody's speaking in tongues, and that got attention. But now, here in Acts three and into four, now watch this: this man gets healed. And how I many of y'all know that healing was like the greatest attention grabber? There were religious people all around who had been praying, that right in front of their very eyes, God answered the prayer. This man is healed and raised up right there at the temple. What a story, huh? And then Peter goes on after, after he heals this man, and here, here's what happens. Peter goes on, and he, he preaches on Jesus' crucifixion, and he preaches on Jesus' resurrection. And as you can imagine, everybody was stirred as a result. And for sure, we know that this lame man was stirred. This lame man was happy. As we see in this story, thousands of people get added to the church. But here's what I want you to see as we get into the text this morning. The lame man was happy. People that got saved were happy, but there were some there who certainly were not happy. Listen to what Luke reports in Acts 4, 1 through 4. It says this, And as they, that is Peter and John, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and note this, and the Sadducees, everybody say Sadducees, the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse three, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Verse four, but I love this, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. What? 5,000 men. All right, Not including the women and the children. I'll talk about that more in just a second. But here's what I want you to see. This was the first persecution in the book of Acts. Typically when we think of persecution in the early church, we think of persecution by the Romans. But if you look in the book of Acts, the, watch this. The first persecution was launched from the religious people, from the Jewish leaders. They were the ones upset who persecuted Peter and John through them. Literally threw them into jail. And why, why did this take place? Well, I'm sure because all these people were getting saved and born again. The temple area was getting stirred up. And so the captain of the temple didn't like that because he had to keep order. But check this out. The Sadducees were annoyed. You know what the Sadducees were? They were the ones who were sad, you see. That's so bad. Die. So bad. The Sadducees were the religious Jewish, Jewish sect of the day. And check this out. They, they held to the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament we call, the, the Old Testament, first five books. And they did not see in the Torah any evidence for resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection. Even more, they're tied to the aristocracy and they had these ties to Rome. Check this out. And so Peter's teaching resurrection had happened in Christ and that possibly more could follow, and, and, and that would be seen as a threat to Rome. So resurrection, this whole idea for the Sadducees, they're like, no, that's not in the Bible. But even if it were, listen, this is, this is going to be perceived the wrong way by the Romans. Resurrection could be seen as revolution. So the Sadducees, it says here, were greatly what? They're greatly annoyed. And so here's what I want you to see. These Jewish leaders arrest Peter and John and throw them into prison. But I love what Luke tells us that notwithstanding, in spite of this, look at this, 5,000 men. Look at this. The number came to 5,000 men who believed. Now, the word here in the Greek, in English, stands for men. It's not men in general. It's actual men. All right. But if you take the people who are saved in Acts 2, and by this point in Acts chapter 4, you got 5,000 men. But here's what scholars tell us. That by Acts chapter 4, we got 10,000 believers in the name of Jesus. Come on, how many of y'all know that's a pretty good church growth? In the name of Jesus, because of the preaching of Peter, now you've got 10,000. Thousand People, men, women, and if you include everybody, the, come on, how many of y'all are gonna believe that your children are gonna serve the Lord? Come on, your teenagers, let's pray, let's believe that they're gonna serve the Lord. Well, you got a big group, y'all, here, probably right around 10,000 people, but you, of course, you know, Peter and John are in jail. They're in jail. But how many, of y'all, how many of y'all know that the word of God uh, is never chained? That Peter and John were jailed and they were chained. But the word of God can never, ever be chained or stopped. How many of y'all know if we'll be faithful to speak it, the word's going to get out? And let me just help y'all with something. In days to come in America, if things don't change, what I'm doing right now will one day be illegal and will probably land me a place in jail. If you say, well, that would never happen in America. Watch if, Amer- if a revival does not happen in America, if we do not respond to the call of God, watch persecution be unleashed against America. Are y'all ready for that? Yeah. Miss Terry's ready for that. <laughs> listen to me, that can happen right here in these United States of America. But listen to me carefully, and I, this will be on the recording, this will be for everybody to hear, so you can hold me to it. I don't care what the world says. Or what the laws are, I will not stop preaching the word of God. I don't care what any government says, what anyone says, I will not stop. And if you put me in jail, I'll preach there too. And come on, some of y'all will be right there with me. Come on. Come on, we may be chained, but the Word of God will never be chained if you don't believe me just as Peter and John and Paul and all who were arrested and some who were eventually killed for their faith. Come on, y'all. The Word of God is on the move. The Word will not return void as we go forth in obedience to speak it, to pray the Word, to live the Word. Are y'all ready for that? Are y'all ready for persecution? You say, I don't know, Pastor Scott. Get ready. I promise, it's coming. It's coming here to a town near you right here in Acadiana. But check it out. The word went out. The word went out. We see lives transformed. The church grew in size and the church grew in strength because of these men who were faithful to go. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down today. If we will be faithful to go. Everybody say go. If we'll be faithful to go. Not just come to church, but take church. What happens here? The power here. Two people. If we will go, then God will be faithful to show us the needs. How many of y'all know there are needs all around us? How many of y'all know there are broken people all around us? I'm not waiting on them just to come here. I'm going out there to get them in Jesus' name. There are broken people, lost people at the gym, it, 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 it's, it's your school, and your workplace, and listen, we're going to go forth and we're not going to be ugly or hateful or, or pushy, but come on, can we go in the power of the name, in the power of the Spirit? Can we go and share Jesus? Can we go and watch Him show off? If we'll go, He, he will show He'll show us. So who do I reach? God will show you. There are lost people all around you. God will show you who they are. You open your eyes, you see them. as you pray for the sick, as you preach the gospel, as you live this thing out, watch what will happen. The church will grow. You go. God will show you who they are. And as you are obedient, the church will grow. Watch this. The church will grow in size and in strength. Y'all, that's just the way God works. But it, it, it demands. Listen to this carefully. It demands. This demands our obedience. Let me say it this way. Week one, I said that the aim of this is not to create spectators who come and sit, but to make disciples who will go and tell. Y'all understand the difference? Because you can just come and, well, it's a good word, good word. Worship was, Matt. Uh, Matt was awesome, you know, bouncing up. And that, that was awesome. And we can just come here and spectate and be okay with this. Listen, I want you to come here to hear the word. And listen to me carefully. I am under obligation. I'm under, uh, under the authority of Jesus to preach his word. Listen to me. And if I ever stop preaching his word, leave this church as quickly as you can. Do you hear me? If I ever stop, find another church because it gets dangerous. You don't need my opinions. You don't need me. What you need is God's word. And come on, y'all. I'm going to preach that word and that word gets in you. And when the word gets in you, it transforms you. And then you go out and share it with other people and watch your world change. Do I have any friends today who believe that's true? It's true. I'm going to preach you, the, I'm going to preach to you the word of God. So we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to share. We got to get in people's lives and let them know that Jesus is their only hope. He's not one option among many. He's the only option for people's salvation and their deliverance. But check this out. Don't expect everyone to be happy with you when you go. Don't expect everyone to be happy with you when you share Jesus and stand on his word. And, and, and let me use Jimmy's words. When you take God's side, expect that some people are going to try to put you on your back or knock you off your feet when you take God's side. Listen to me carefully. If you are a true follower of Jesus, here's a promise. Put it on your refrigerator. If you're a true follower of Jesus, just expect, expect opposition. Expect persecution in varying degrees. Are y'all with me? we got some movement right here. Right here. Y'all with me? Expect it. Expect if you live for Jesus and follow His Word and are obedient to His Word, just expect that people are going to misrepresent you, misunderstand you, and at the end of the day, some are going to absolutely seek to oppose what you're doing. Okay? Now, maybe you haven't felt that just yet. Well, that could be because you're not obedient to Him just yet, but once you are... (laughs) You will know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen to me carefully, y'all. I know we covered this in Revelation. I, I know people are starting to you know, relax a little bit. You know, the vaccine's out. People are comfortable coming back. or getting back to normal. Listen to me. Please, in your mind and in your heart, don't return to normal. God wants you dependent on him like you are standing on the precipice of eternity every day of your life. Don't think because there's a vaccine or there's a breakthrough with cancer or there are all these things going on in the world that you can just, okay, now I can watch. No, we got to be vigilant. We got to be dependent on God saying, God, if you don't come in my life, there's no answer. You're my only hope. Don't get comfortable. I promise you the devil's not. He's after the saints. We're in a new season. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God people are healthy. Thank God now the numbers are going down with COVID. Thank God. Listen to me carefully. Don't go back to normal in your dependency on God. Don't go back to normal in your routine. Jesus is looking for some hungry men and women who will feast on the word, who will devour the word, who will live the word, who will be obedient to the word. Are y'all tracking with me today? He's looking for some people like that. And he may have found some here at the Midtown campus. I think he has. But don't expect everybody to be happy with you. Don't expect, I promise you, listen to me, if Jesus couldn't please everyone, you don't stand a chance. You don't have a chance. But listen to me. (laughs) Expect opposition from the world. Everybody say world. Say it one more time. The world. We use that word right here all the time. World, world, world. What, do we, what in the world do we mean by the word world? Well, let me teach y'all for a little bit. I think you know what I mean when I use this word. <laughs> world. You, you, you think, you know, rightly. I'm, I'm talking about Hollywood. Secularism, atheism, the ways of the... World, the, the nasty ways, of, of the sinful ways of the world. That's what I think most of you get from context. But let me teach you for a second. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you look at this word in the New Testament, particularly uh, in, in, in the Gospel of John, the word world in Greek is kosmos. Can you say that? Kosmos. This word appears in John 3.16. And uh, Tim Tebow did not write this. Okay. For, for God so loved the, the... What did He do? Look at the big, beautiful screens. Look at that. They're back, so you can see. For God so loved the what? The world that He gave His only... So that whoever should not but have... You see, what a great promise, huh? But, but here in this context, cosmos or world refers to humanity at large. Not the dirt ball called planet Earth, but people all around the world. For God so loved humanity, fallen, nasty humanity, rebellious, sinful humanity. Yes, but he he loved the world, humanity, so much that what did he do? He sent Jesus into the world to save us from the effects of the world. Are you all with me? But notice here, what did God do? What's his disposition toward the world? He what? Loves the what? Y'all talk to me. He what? Loves. Loves the world. All right? Well, in this context, once again, the world refers to humanity at large. But look, look at this. this is a th- thank you, John. This, this can be confusing, but let me bring some clarity. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, listen to what John says. Do not love the... <laughs> or the things in the world. In the world if anyone loves the... The love of the Father is not in Him. Verse 16, For all that is in the the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father who is above, but is from the... Yeah. So what does this mean? What in the world is the Bible saying? Well, simply this, that God really loves people. He loves nasty sinners. He loves the world. How many of y'all are thankful that He loved you when you were at your worst? In your darkness and depression and in your bondage, He loved you then. And how, how many of y'all know if He loved you then? There should be no question now if you're in Christ if He loves you. He loves the world, the nasty world. He loves the sinful world. But, but then, But we're taught in Scripture that although God loves us, God does not love the systems of the world. He does not love the sinful ways of the world. Because here in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, check this out. Cosmos, or world, refers to the systems of fallen, evil humanity that stand in opposition to God. So on one hand, God loves people. Aren't you glad He loves you? He loves you. But on the other hand, John says, do not love the broken, fallen evil systems of the world how many y'all know we are in the world but we're not of the world how many y'all know we are strangers we are aliens we are foreigners what i say here will sound strange to people out there how many y'all know the word of the cross is foolishness it is foolishness to unbelievers But when the spirit begins to move and the spirit turns on the lights, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest message you've ever heard or will ever hear in your entire life. Because it says that God so loved you that he gave Jesus for you, no matter how dark or depressed or sinful you are. Come on, y'all. There's hope in Jesus today. Lord, I'm working hard today. But listen, you've got the world that that God loves, but the systems of the world that, that God hates. So love people, love fallen people, nasty people. Love them as God has loved you, but you better abhor and detest and hate the fallen, broken systems that stand in opposition to God. Here's what I want you to see. Most of us get that. You'd say, right, Pastor Scott. But listen to me carefully. The world... Is not just secular systems that are opposed to God. The world does not just involve Hollywood and atheists and secularists and those who oppose our message in the world, okay? Outside the church, okay? It's that, yeah, it involves those, but it's more than that. Listen to me. The world also includes religious systems that are opposed to God. So we're talking about. Systems in the world, but also systems of thought within the religious community in the world. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Gospels, I'll tell you who opposed Jesus. It wasn't the the God-hating world come against His message primarily. It was whom? It was the Jewish leaders. Check this out. Who were really, they thought they were religious but how many of y'all know just because you're religious doesn't make you righteous? They thought they they thought they were they thought that were right with God but at the end of the day they were really wrong and I'll tell you why they were wrong because many of the Jewish leaders in the first century they they were so locked in to their interpretation of the Bible they were so locked in to their way of viewing the world that even when the word made flesh left heaven and came to the earth they couldn't see the truth and if they did they wouldn't appreciate the truth because they valued their own opinions more than God whoa isn't that amazing That's incredible to me. And we say, well, how could they do that? How many of y'all know we can do the same thing today? Because sometimes we are more caught up with our opinions and the ways of the world and the ways of other religions. We can get so caught up in the world that we miss God's word from above. Let me make this real simple for you. Claims about God are either from above or they're from below. Let me say it another way. Claims about God are either from heaven or they are from the earth. The Bible presents no other option. Now that really simplifies things, doesn't it? Because you've got to ask is what you believe, is what, and what you're believing now, is it from above or was it man made, manufactured from below? The Bible presents these categories. Check it out. Jesus came from where? From where? To the. And he came with what? Truth. He is the truth. And he spoke truth. But the Jewish leaders were so locked into their version of the truth, they couldn't handle the truth, and they had him crucified for it. And the same took place when Jesus handed the baton to his apostles and disciples as they went into the world with the truth. Many couldn't handle the truth because they were so locked into their systems from below they couldn't receive the word of God from above. That's scary, isn't it? You've got to ask yourself, is my life formed on the basis of what is taught below and formed below? Or am I living in another reality, in another sphere? Am I living for that which is from above? Because here we see that the Sadducees, although they were religious, they were religious, they missed the boat. They missed the point. Had Peter and John thrown in jail All in the name of God. Wow. Now lean in on this for just a second. I want you to think about my words very carefully. If you're a Christian today, if you believe in the historic, orthodox expression of the faith, then you believe that there is salvation in no other name than Jesus Christ. You believe there's just one way to God. Okay, so do I believe that? you should. That's what the Bible teaches. Are you all with me? There's one way to God. Now, lean in on this for a second. How many of you all know that sounds very arrogant to people in the world who maybe come from you know, different backgrounds, different religions, who also teach that their way is right? But here we step in, and we say, no, 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 there's just one way to God. How many of you all know that can sound very arrogant? Are you all y'all, y'all awake? Okay. Talk to me just a little bit. That can sound very arrogant, can it? Yes. Okay, now I'm just making sure y'all are here. So, so check this out. I was thinking about this. I'm like, that's so, that sounds so arrogant. Like, our way is the only way. If you don't like it, burn in hell. I mean, that's the way some have said it. I would never say that. But think about the implications of it. Think about what I'm saying. Now listen, here's the way, here's the way it works out. Listen carefully to me. I'm going to teach y'all on this. This is very important. All truth is God's truth. Think about that. All truth is God's truth. Mathematical outcomes and the processes to get there, that all involves God and God's truth. Mathematics did not originate with atheists. Mathematics is a corollary of the genius of the mind of God implemented in the world. Are you all with me? When you think about truth, there's truth in some false religions. I'm not saying they're all true, of course, but there can be some true things said in general. All truth is God's truth. But see, check this out. The Bible is unique because it is God's special revelation to mankind. And the Bible tells us where we came from. It tells us where we're going. And it tells us how to live along the way. For all the nerds here, it tells us of our cosmological origins, it gives us moral imperatives, and it gives us eschatological hope. It tells us that we're going in this direction, and that if things are messed up now, in the end, it's going to be good, because God's a good God, and He's going to work to make sure that everything works for your good and His glory. Okay, go try to find that in another religion, and let me know if you find anything close to that. But check it out. The Bible comes from God by the Spirit, carried the Spirit, carried men along to produce the words of God so we can have them today. So when we say that there's only one way to God, that there's there's no other name. Listen to me. I didn't make that up like that didn't originate with OSC. That didn't originate, you know, with Pastor Jacob or Billy Graham or Jimmy Tate or, or anybody here. Listen to me. Those words came from whom? Jesus, in John 14, he said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the father except through Jesus, the son. And so listen, by nature, y'all might not think this about me, but by nature, I'm the guy that likes to sit down and just get along with everybody. I'm not a confrontational type person who likes to sit and fight with people. Are y'all with me? Those of you who know me and you had lunch with me, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. Okay, I'm not looking to pick fights and to call people out. Are y'all tracking? Okay, if I had my way, if I were God, I would just make, well, you know, let's just make it up. If you want to go, go to God any way you want, that's cool. I mean, let's not ruffle any feathers. <laughs> I don't want to be too exclusive. You know, I think I would have made it real simple in the sense of, you know, however you want to come to God, that's just up to you. But then listen to me, that's me. That's based on a lot of my fears. That's based on a lot of my insecurities. That's based on the fact that I don't always want to fight or make an absolute claim. But how many of y'all know God is God? And God has one Son. And the only way to get to the Father is through that one Son. And at the end of the day, we didn't make this up. All of this comes from our teacher. Jesus Christ is His name. And so we can reject it. We can accept it. But at the end of the day, it's what the Bible says. And so we don't want to be confrontational or angry or mean or mean-spirited, but it is our obligation if we love people to tell them the truth. And sometimes we don't want to do that because we're afraid, we're afraid of how we'll be perceived. If you believe that Jesus is the only way, then that belief should compel you to share Jesus on a regular basis with people around you. Here, Peter and John are persecuted because they take this stance. The next day, we're told, Peter and John stand trial before the Jewish leaders. And the experts in the law, uh-oh. And the experts and had to give an account for their actions. Listen, listen to what Luke says in, in, in Acts 4, 7-12. Check it out. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. Here's the question. Peter and John are on trial. By what power or by what name did you do this? <laughs> I mean, this is the moment. They're on the spot. Well... Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified... Whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man, this lame man, is standing before you well. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Look at verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under 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 heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, I read this, and like, I know the answer, but I checked it out anyway. I went into the Greek text, and I read it, and th- there it is. Ude, gar, anima estin heteron, hupoton, uranon. You know what that means? You know what that means in English? It means there's no other name under heaven by which men are to be saved. This is Peter's point. There's no other way, no other path, no other means Jesus is our only hope. It's like Peter's saying, if you want to know how this took place, it wasn't in the name of another religion or another religious superstar or another Messiah. All of this took place because of the power and the efficacy of the name of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Now think about what this could have cost him and cost them. Now, I mean, some of us would have been like, listen, don't want us to do this anymore we'll, we'll start a ministry somewhere else we'll, we'll, we'll go up into the hills we'll go out into the desert listen we, we're not gonna bother y'all any longer we're gonna just move along the way listen to me carefully when we boldly pray and preach in the name of jesus and live live just live live for jesus check this out the world above breaks into the world below The power of heaven invades earth. Come on. All you who grew up Catholic, you prayed it this way. The prayer this way. Our Father in? How would it be your your kingdom? Your will be done here as it is. Y'all see where I'm going with this? We pray. and You didn't have any idea what you were praying, did you? When you prayed that, you were praying, God, let what happens happen there in heaven, let that come down here into our world. And listen to me, your marriage does not need wisdom from below. Your marriage needs wisdom from above. You don't need worldly advice. You need godly advice. Some of you are in trouble in your marriage because you've been going from below, looking at people from below for help. No, 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 listen. You go to the one who came from above. You get heavenly revelation from him and that will transform your marriage. Are y'all feeling this? Help me. Y'all, this is so good. When you get that heaven invades earth, when you pray in Jesus' name, and you preach in Jesus' name, and you live in Jesus' name, you're inviting heaven to the earth from what's above to penetrate. Here are the problems below. How many of y'all know Earth needs a touch of heaven, and we're praying, God, come. He's saying, I already did. Jesus came, and now Jesus is sending us into the world with the power and the authority of heaven. If we'll go, he will show off. His glory will come, and the world will be saved. Come on, y'all. That's what we're here to do. Man, I'm burning some calories up here. But there's no other option. Claims about God are either from above or from below. But this is very profound. The one rejected by the world is the only hope for the world. Wow. Jesus came with love. Love motivated him. The ones who should have received him, if you look in the flesh, uh, Jewish leaders should, uh, should have accepted him. The very ones who should have accepted him were the ones who rejected him. Now, I want to be very careful. I'm not saying Jews all over. Jewish leaders in the Gospels. They were the ones of the world who opposed Jesus. But here's what really astonished the Sanhedrin. Y'all ready? Lord, have mercy. Amy. Acts 4, 13 and 14. This is, this is astonishing to the Sanhedrin. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized, oh, I love this. I could preach for six months on this one sentence and they recognized that they had been with Jesus you feel that <laughs> verse 14 but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them they had nothing to say in opposition <laughs> I guess not <laughs> you know because you know you can't you can't get this stuff from a book from below right names from below don't don't eventuate this type of healing, right? So but listen to me. Listen to me carefully. They were uneducated common men. Now, that did not mean that they were not educated at all. It just meant that they had not received higher rabbinical theological training, like the elders and the experts, the scribes. They weren't professionals at what they believed in what they were proclaiming from their perspective. But here's what I want you to see. The Bible says that Peter and John had been with Jesus. That's very profound. Because, see, the Sanhedrin perceived that, what do, you, what do y'all know? Y'all are uneducated. But here's this miracle. They saw that they were uneducated, but, but check it out. <laughs> it's true. It's true to an extent. Peter and John had not received an education from below. But they had received an education from above. Because they were disciples who had walked with Jesus and followed Jesus. And as they did, His words got in them. And His words transformed them. They were very educated, just not in the way the Jewish leaders wanted them to be. Think about this for a second, you guys. If you are a disciple, disciples, listen, they're not satisfied with just coming to church on Sunday. Disciples are. How, how would you define discipleship, Scott? How would you define a disciple? I'm glad you asked. Here's the simplest definition I can find. If you've got a better one, email me. I'll use it. Okay? Okay? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, okay, learns from Jesus, and imitates Jesus in attitude and action. Now, if you got something better, shoot it. Bring it my way. All right? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, follows his word, learns the word, but then goes out and seeks to imitate the word. How many of y'all know? You can't become a mature disciple by just coming to church on Sunday. How many of y'all know that if you're a disciple, it means Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, you get up, say, Jesus, I don't know what this day holds, but I know who holds me. I'm going to get up. I'm going to follow you no matter what it costs me. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to share your truth. I'm going to preach and I'm going to pray in your name and I'm going to follow you. And as I follow you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I want to learn from you. And ultimately, I want to seek to imitate you in all that I say and all that I do. Now, y'all, when we get a church like that, made of disciples like that, and we've got some here today, some of y'all are that way. When we become that way, this city will be changed for the glory of God. The devil doesn't stand a chance when Jesus finds some disciples who learn from him, who imitate him, who run the play in the power of the Spirit. The devil doesn't have a chance. Some of y'all don't believe me try me get in a discipleship group homes are open show up open your heart be open be open to someone pouring into you the word of god into you get in a discipleship group go to sunday school get in a classroom setting listen y'all we must know the word of god you you just can't live in the times that we're in and have a little snack from sunday and hopefully you don't even perceive this as a snack for some of you it's like lord have mercy whoo that's a lot of truth But this isn't enough. Get with your discipleship group. Get in Sunday school. Open the word day by day. Educate yourself. Become a follower of Christ. A learner of Christ. A student of Him. And by the way, ladies, you are called by God. Where's Penny? Where's Penny, Penny, Penny. I don't want to embarrass you. Penny, stand up just for a second. I don't want to, but I just did. Look, Penny. Say you can sit down. Penny is a woman of the word. Yeah. She knows her Bible. And I could. There are many here. Many here. That woman, She's a te- Bible teaching machine. Listen to me, ladies. Theology is not just for the men. You know, if you believe in God, you're all theologians. I didn't say you're good ones, but come on. <laughs> If you believe in God and you say anything meaningful about God, you're doing theology. It's not just for the men. Bible studies are not just for the men. God is raising women who are standing on the word, who are believing the word, quoting the word, meditating on the word, speaking the word. Come on, we got women of the word. May God raise more women of the word. May God do it in this church. Disciples. Men and women called by his name, empowered by his spirit, infatuated with his play, the play he called us to run. Let God do it. But by the way, discipleship is not just about teaching the word in a classroom setting. It can begin there. But discipleship happens in the real nitty-gritty world. It happens when you get underneath or beside a man or a woman of God who's been walking with God. If it's five minutes more, get with someone who's more mature than you, who's been in the Word longer than you. Get with them and follow them. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In the world, They call it mentoring. In the church, we call it discipleship. I'll never forget, over 20, right at 20 years ago, I went to church, heard Pastor Ray McCollum preach. He preached on the kingdom. Lord, have mercy. That man preached on the kingdom. And y'all, I was fresh out of the bar. People are like, oh, that big word, Pastor Scott. Listen, I heard him preach fresh out of the world on the kingdom of God and yeah he used some big words but I got the point point. and I found Pastor Ray at the end of a service and I found other pastors and I said in so many words I need what you have I need what's on you to get on me discipleship was never ever intended to take place on your own with just you and your bible it happens in the context of relationships pastor ray McCollum met with me poured into me i met with other men who poured the word of god into me and not just teaching me but said come on follow me As I follow Christ and I got a front row seat to watch those men be obedient to God. Listen to me. The greatest example, parents, you will ever set is through your obedience to God. As your children watch, the greatest thing they will ever behold is you being obedient you guys know you're all making disciples if you're parents and you have children at home? Did you know that? That's scary, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't that scary? You're teaching them from your lifestyle. Question, are you teaching them to obey God? Oh, because, you know, it gets real practical when I'm with Karsten, my 14-year-old, and we're on the couch about to watch a movie and how many of y'all know just sometimes scrolling through Netflix means you have to go get on your face and fast for a week to purge all the nastiness out of your mind. Am I alone? Am I the only one? It's awful. Clicked on a show to watch. The rating wasn't bad. Five minutes in. It was awful. And I wasn't legalistic about it. I wasn't harsh. I just said, Carson, let's, let's watch something else. Let's find something else. He said, well read his face he's like well what's going what's going on dad and then, no we we don't need to see that found something else he's like okay okay thanks okay whatever carsten didn't care what we watched he just wanted to spend time with his dad this is where this gets super practical i had a moment right there to keep on watching and by watching that show i was teaching him that it's okay to watch that y'all tracking? Not to toot my horn, but to give glory to the Spirit. The Spirit convicted me. I changed the channel and in the moment set an example for Him. I didn't say, go to chapter 4 in the gold book. Let me teach. I'm I'm going to teach the Word. But how many of y'all know we have to model the Word? Teaching people to obey all that I have commanded you. And you're going to mess up. People are going to follow you, and you're going to blow it. (laughs) I mean, you're, you're going to blow it. Your kids are going to watch you blow it. But we should put it here on the walls. It should be just a golden axiom, golden rule here at OSC Midtown. If you cannot or do not lead by example, lead by repentance. How many of y'all know we have to teach people to fail well as disciples? You're going to blow it. You're going to get off course. You're going to do things you, you you shouldn't do. But how many of y'all know we can teach our children, we can teach one another that we fall, we can get back up, and we can continue to follow Jesus no matter w- what we do or how bad we blow it. Our, our, our kids need to see us. Fail well by repenting well and showing them that Christianity is not a list of rules to check off. It's about a person to follow, and that person is full of grace and truth. He's a great God. In conclusion, Acts 4, 15 through 21 says this. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, Peter and John, They conferred. The Jewish leaders conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you who are from below rather than to God, I would add, who is above, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help ourselves. You judge. You guys are sitting in the place of God. You judge. I mean, this is good rhetoric here. You judge. You judge. Verse 21, And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what happened. (laughs) That's awesome, isn't it? You judge whether it's right or not. We cannot help but to speak about what we've seen and what we've heard. People ask Pastor Scott, I'm going to meet with the guy next week. Pastor Scott, why are you a pastor? Why do you do what you do? Well, I could give you 10 different reasons, but I'll tell you what's at the very top. It's the fact that I cannot help but to speak about what I've seen and about what I've heard in my life and in the lives of others. Because listen to me, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed then, he's healing now, he set people free back then, and the same God is working miracles today. How many of y'all can testify he's done a miracle in your life? You're a walking miracle if you're born again. You shouldn't be here. You should be on the sidelines. You should still be in darkness. You should still be addicted. You should still be living the life that is from below. But God moved in your life and now you've been raised and now you're a stranger. You're an alien. You're a foreigner. You're a sign and in a the, in the wonder to this world. But you're a trophy of God's grace bought with his, his precious blood, Jesus' blood, and inspired and filled with his spirit. A sign and a wonder. Listen to me, Jesus Christ is here by His Spirit. He is here in this assembly right now. And let me let, let me encourage you. There's one name. You see, I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in my mind. I need a breakthrough in my soul. I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my, in my, in my, you name it. How many of y'all know there's no mountain too big for Jesus? There's no valley too deep, no sea, no sea too strong, no wind too strong. How many of y'all know He's the same miracle working God? He's here, y'all, by His Spirit.